Hello, this is Jordan Greenhouse, Client Portfolio Manager with Kane Anderson Rudnick. Along with me today, I have Doug Foreman, Chief Investment Officer. Doug, first and foremost, thank you for setting the time today to review 2018 with us. If we can, let's start with a look back at the fourth quarter of 2018, along with year-to-date performance for the key U.S. markets, along with the international markets. Sure. Uh, The last three months of the year in 2018 were very, very difficult for equity investors. Uh, The stock market declined uh, double digits, 13.5% in the quarter, bringing the full year return to slightly more than a 4% loss. Um, And the index during the course of the quarter was on the cusp of a bear market territory. That's down 20% for the quarter. Uh, before starting to stabilize somewhat at the uh, uh, last week of the year, essentially. And virtually all domestic equity classes saw their fourth quarter returns wipe out the gains that they had had over the first nine months. Small stocks were hit particularly hard, finishing down 11% for the year. Uh, Growth stocks were hit very hard in the quarter, declining about 15.9% as measured by the Russell 1000 growth benchmark. Uh, but they still managed to outperform value stocks uh, throughout the course of 2018 by declining only 1.5% versus uh, 8.2% for value stocks in the course of 2018. Uh, Emerging market stocks also continued to decline. They had led the decline earlier in the year. Uh, We're posting negative returns by the end of the third quarter. They they went down a further 7.5% in the quarter, bringing the year-to-date losses to about 14.5%. European equities also were very poor performers as well. Um, the uh, European index falling almost 13% in the quarter and down about 14.5% for the year due to really continued economic weakness that the uh, continent uh, incurred pretty much during the entire year of 2018. Uh, 10-year treasuries uh, did their job in the quarter. They actually hung in there fairly well. Um, interest rates actually dropped. The 10-year dropped a lot from 3.06 down to 2.68. Uh, Barclays Ag actually had a positive return. It rose 1.64 during the quarter. California Muni's advanced about 1.45 during the quarter. Credit-sensitive area of the bond market, such as high yield, didn't fare as well and registered losses of about 4.6% for the quarter and down about 2.2% for the full year. So that's sort of a summary of what happened. Overall, very challenging quarter for equity investors. Um, first one we've had in quite a while, really in about 10 years of, to have magnitude of uh, declines like this. And uh, so it was a difficult fourth quarter and it ended up being a more difficult year because of the tremendous volatility that we saw in the last three months of the year. What were some of the key drivers during the fourth quarter because we saw a substantial uptick in overall volatility across all markets? Well, the first thing that happened during the course of the quarter was that uh, the Federal Reserve Chairman, uh, Jay Powell, in early October came out and said that short-term interest rates were still far from neutral, which implied you know, a whole series of future uh, rate increases at the short end of the yield curve. And I think these comments really spooked investors who were already worried about the weakness that, as I mentioned earlier, we've been seeing all year in Europe. And China started to see some weakness in May and was slowing as well. Even in the US, areas that are really sensitive to interest rate increases like housing and automobile sales because of their such large purchases and people typically finance to uh, to buy was starting to show some signs of weakness as well, even in the US. So I think a combination of this overseas weakness, some interest rate sensitive parts of the US economy that were weakening, 
uh, and then the Federal Reserve coming out and saying we're not even close to being done and we need to raise rates uh, more, you know, three or four or five times into the future, just spooked investors and started to trigger um, some selling uh, as people worried about the rate of growth that was going to be sustained into 2019. The second thing that happened during the quarter was after Powell's comments were that third quarter earnings started to come in. And what investors paid attention to, even though the overall earnings number was as good as expected, and if not better in many companies, the quality of the earnings, the way that companies got there, a little bit more dependent upon financial engineering, things like buyback and debt pay down, and a little less on revenues. And clearly, in most companies' cases, revenues decelerated somewhat from the second quarter. That sort of indicated to a lot of investors that business activity in the U.S. has started to moderate already, too. Uh, this, combined with the comments earlier of uh, Chairman Powell about further rate increases, I think just added more fuel to the fire that uh, rates were going up at the same time earnings were starting to decelerate and slow down dramatically. And this is always a really bad combination for equities. And there was some minor uh, progress made on uh, trade talks with China during the past quarter, but nothing was really totally resolved. And obviously, this has continued into 2019. And this is, uh, in the short run, just continued to negatively impact business confidence globally. Also, energy prices declined materially during the quarter, which is great for people that buy gas and uh, for you and I and consumers at the gas pumps. But there's a lot of energy producers uh, domestically these days, and their earnings prospects are going to be hurt by falling prices, too. So basically, the market lost confidence in the outlook for profit growth in 2019 and into 2020. And of course, the market's always looking ahead and trying to understand what's likely to happen next. And so as investors lost confidence in the sustainability of earnings because of a increasing short, continued increasing short-term interest rates, a slowing in cor- corporate profitability, and an inverting yield curve, combination of those things caused investors to uh, take significant profits uh, during the course of the quarter. Approaching December, there have been discussions around concerns related to an inverted yield curve. Can you explain what is meant by this inverted yield curve and the potential impacts if this were to occur? The bottom line is for an inverted yield curve, what that means is without getting too technical because we don't have time here today, is that short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. So short-term interest rates, let's say, could be 3% and long rates as measured by the 30-year bond could be 2.5%. So short rates higher than long rates. Very unusual, doesn't happen very often doesn't make any economic sense because why would you charge people more to borrow money from you for six months than you would if they wanted it for 30 years? Normally, you're going to charge somebody more money for more interest if they want your money longer. That's sort of standard behavior. That's the way the economy usually works. Why this is important is because what happens is the way that banks make money and the way that banks make loans to consumers and small businesses and everything else that creates grease that skids the economy and economic growth is the banks borrow money at the short end from me and you when we make deposits at a bank at hopefully a low rate. And then they go out and they lend it to a a business that needs the capital to expand or grow, hopefully a small business that's becoming larger. And they do this at a higher rate because they're taking credit risk. And what they earn on that is a spread, which is the difference between what they have to pay you and I on deposits and what they can actually earn from the business, assuming the business pays a loan off over a reasonable amount of time. So let's say the short end is at 2%. 
they borrow money at 2%, and then they go make a loan to a small business at 6%. So they have a 4% spread, and they make 4% on the amount of that loan if the business pays them back because they have credit risk, and businesses don't always pay them back. So what happens when the yield curve inverts, and this is something that you know the Fed chairman and others have discussed and academics discuss all the time about an inverted yield curve and why it's occurring, to me, it misses the entire point. It doesn't matter why it's occurring. If it's occurring, then nobody's going to make a loan. They're not going to loan money. They're not going to borrow money from you and I at, say, 3% and make a loan to a business at 3% and incur credit risk. There's no way they can possibly make money. In fact, all they're doing is destroying shareholder value when they do that and destroying a business. So nobody's going to make a loan, and therefore the economy ultimately dries up. So that's how the yield curve works. And what we've seen historically is that the batting average of future recessions, once you go into a full-blown inversion, and we're not there yet, by the way, um, that seven out of the last eight times we have slipped into a recession. So it's a very good forecaster of recession if and when that happens. And so one of the key things that happened also during the quarter was that the curve is close to inverting and then that combined with the latest federal reserve meeting in december when chairman powell came out and was dismissive of the yield curve dismissive of market signals which clearly indicated that the market was concerned about future growth prospects whether it was the price of oil or fixed income rates or the yield curve shape uh, the signals were all over the market that things were very concerning about future growth and international market weakness as well Um, It's rare that you see so many signals all combining, saying the same thing to somebody. And then the Federal Reserve Chairman came out after their December meeting, sort of was very dismissive of the shape of the yield curve and dismissive of the market signals, which are loud and clear screaming at him, in my opinion, to to slow down the rate of increase in interest rates, if at all, uh, for the future. So I think what we saw last week, late last week on Friday, one of the key reasons the market rallied so much was that Chairman Powell came out and sort of backed off what he said in December and said he would be more flexible, more open-minded about what's actually happening and not so dismissive of everything that's happening in these markets, not to bail out equity investors. But the fact is these uh, investors in fixed income, investors in equities, investors in commodities, um, they're all saying the same thing. And and they're not. this isn't political statements. This is people betting their hard-earned dollars every day on what they believe is going to happen next. So uh, it's important, I think, for the Fed to have some respect for that because uh, in my experience, uh, the market more frequently than not is correct. Moving into 2019, Doug, can you provide a sense of broad market expectations along with key factors you and your team at Kane Anderson Rundeck are most focused on? Sure. I think the big thing is is that you know can corporate profitability continue to improve not only be sustained but continue to improve into 2019 and 2020 in a slower growth environment which we're highly likely to see in 2019 and 20 versus 2018 and my answer is yes i think that they can do that i think the corporate profits can grow in the five six seven percent range next year um, or this year sorry 2019 and i think that you know, we can see uh, continued growth without a recession. It's really difficult to pinpoint exactly where the excesses are in the system that would cause a domestic recession. Um, there aren't a lot of excesses domestically. Uh, we could talk about China and debt levels over there, and certainly some of that is concerning. Uh, and China has already slowed materially, and their market is already in a bear market. 
but in, as far as the U.S. goes, it's difficult to see where these massive excesses are, whether it's property prices or inventories at businesses or sort of the standard standard suspects that would drive and create a recession. So um, our belief is that growth will be slower next year for sure. Um, best guess is in the one and a half to two and a half percent range down from three percent plus this year. So probably about half the growth rate of what we had last year, but still positive and companies should be able to generate reasonable earnings. We'll have more earnings disappointments, I think, in 2019 than we had in 2018 overall. But I think, you know, that's our job at Kane Anderson Rudnick is try to isolate those companies that can continue to uh, thrive and do well, even in a slower growth environment. That's what we're going to be focused on doing, as we always are. Um, and obviously this year it'll be more important than ever, I think, to, uh, to be focused on that. Additionally, you know, I think that you know, earnings growth and stock market returns don't always go lockstep uh, with one another. As we saw last year, earnings growth was very robust for 2018, probably in excess of 20% when everything's counted up by year end. And this year, uh, in 2019, as I mentioned earlier, I think earnings growth will be slower. But that doesn't mean returns match it one for one. As you saw last year, we had negative returns on the S&P 500, even though the earnings for the S&P 500 was very significant. And this year, I think we can see the opposite, where the earnings growth is really not as robust in the five, six, seven, eight percent range. But I think we could actually end up seeing low double-digit returns if that materializes, because so many investors are discounting a recession or more uh, as we move into 2019 and 20. Kanecast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management. Kane Anderson Rudnick provides this communication as a matter of general information. The opinions stated herein are those of the speakers and not necessarily the opinions of Kane Anderson Rudnick or its affiliates. Portfolio managers at Kane Anderson Rudnick make investment decisions in accordance with specific guidelines and restrictions. As a result, client accounts may differ in strategy and composition from the information presented herein. Any facts and statistics quoted are from the sources believed to be reliable, but they may be incomplete or condensed, and we do not guarantee their accuracy. This communication is not an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security and is not in the research report. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions.